0: oh yes we are here we are ready to kick off another another dfs show over here on the big tilt i'm excited i'm ready for this one we got a, a full slate almost outside of there being one extra game on the monday night then we we have of course arizona and we have you know washington but we don't really care about those teams for dfs as much we want those high scoring games and we got some this week but you know if, if i had to go through and i had to break all of these games down, I'm pretty sure that my brain would just shut down and I wouldn't be able to do it. So I had to bring in Mark Garcia over <laughs> there from the First Mover Podcasts, obviously on player profiler. Mark, what's going on, man? How you doing?
2: Chilling, man. Well, you brought on the right guy if you're looking for a full breakdown of all the games because that's exactly what I do every week. Um,
0: oh God, but it's a yeah, lot, I'm, man.
2: This is a. Hey, that's whatever. I mean, we uh, I do most of the games over at One Week Season, um, and um, we have another couple of contributors mm-hmm. that help out as well. Um, but this slate, dude, you were just talking about it. Um, it is very interesting. There's a lot of like macro perspective game theory stuff, uh, going on with this slate that I think is, makes it really, really cool.
0: It's a weird one, man. Like it, it's, it's very strange because like you have some obvious plays that you really want to run out, right? Like, like we talked about the Seahawks and the, the 49ers, like that's going to be a high scoring game. It's one of the only ones on the slate. And then we talk about, you know, the, the chiefs and bills, which, you know, we'll discuss here in a second, but that's supposed to be another high score in one. Meanwhile, you have <laughs> games that are hitting like 36 over unders and you're like, dude, that's gross. Dude. Like, I don't even want to get anywhere close to that game.
2: There's a 33.0 with the Houston Texans. Obviously, they just lost Tank Dell against the Jets. And there's a 30.5, the Jags with obviously CJ Beathard now uh, and the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah, this is not there's a little bit of mix of everything here
0: yeah it, it's kind of gross but it's also kind of exciting like i like the gross sometimes i like to, to feel around but like even this <laughs> mud is like a little thick for me i don't know man yeah. but i guess let's kind of let's kind of start off and discuss this a little bit i want to see if there's any games that most people are on like let's just say the the chiefs and bills that you might not be as hard about meanwhile do you have any games that that you're really stoked about that, that everybody else is like now nah, you got to fade that game
2: this is a weird slate. And part of my process is I'm not really looking at ownership until like Friday evening. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, yeah. So I don't know where the field is going to end up. I have a good feel just from you know being around this game for so long. Um, yeah, the, the Chiefs and the Bills are probably going to gain a, some significant steam. I see some ways to attack it and that I don't think the field is going to fully dive into. Um, but to answer your question, it's probably, I think the baseline answer is just bills and, and chiefs, just because that's probably where a lot of people are going to be starting their rosters this week, um, getting pieces, getting exposure, and then kind of figure out the rest. Because like you said, like it's kind of onesie z's outside of that game. Yeah. We got Seattle and San Francisco. CMC is going to grab ownership. Um, I think, The other mistake I'll say where I think the field is probably going to make this week is just assuming that the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers are going to play to this to a similar game to what they played to just two weeks ago, uh, because this is their second game in three weeks. So they've got a full two weeks in between playing each other, uh, which, yeah, thank you AI for helping us out with the scheduling, because that's that's a (laughs) pure gem. Um, I don't know, man. So yeah, those are probably the two biggest mistakes I see or the two ways I think. Um now the field is gonna go where you can kind of differentiate.
0: Yeah, man. Devo has been hot. And honestly, don't forget about the playoffs last year where you know the, the San Francisco 49ers just ran all over them using so many different dynamics. You know, so I, I think I am a little bit more interested in that game than I am the Chiefs Bills. I'm really not on the Chiefs Bills as much, which we'll dive into as we kind of break down the slate. But uh as for games that that I'm actually really, you know, I might not be excited about the game, but I'm kind of excited about the stacks. It is like Travis Etienne with the Jags defense I think is very interesting. I mean, the Browns have been really good up against the running back thus far in the season, right? Not, not phenomenal, but pretty damn good. However, they're, they have the second most big play allowed. Excuse me. The dog loves to enter into the show right around this time, every <laughs> single episode. only right after we kick it off. Anyways. That's uh, a good you know, boy. Th- they have allowed the second most explosive running plays to the running back thus far on the season. Meanwhile, you're going to have who's ever at quarterback is going to have some turnovers. And I still think that you can end up going with one of the wide receivers for Cleveland over there. When you talk about like Elijah Moore, having 10 plus targets from Flacco, I don't really care who's at quarterback. There's going to be turnovers and there should be passing opportunities for Elijah Moore. I think that Josh Allen's going to tee off. I think we're going to see plenty of sacks. I think we're going to see plenty of opportunities. For that defense to put up points and touchdowns potentially. So I actually do like stacking that game. I'm just going to stack it with the running back and the defense running back with with just one wide receiver who should see enough targets to at least make them, you know, somewhat viable in this this lineup. Yeah, that's going to be
2: interesting, too, depending on how Cleveland decides which direction Cleveland decides to go at quarterback, right? Because like if they play DTR, it sucks a lot of the upside out of this game. If they play like gunslinger Joe, um, there could be some some interesting spots to take. I mean, Joe Flacco led the 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 league in intended air yards last week. Um, Elijah Moore led the league in um, air yards uh, last week. So this is a spot where it could there could be some upside. And I was like, before last weekend I was like there's no way that the Browns just come out and let Joe Flacco be Joe Flacco I was like there's got to be some like restrainer on him at some point like they're gonna put the cuffs on him dude and then he comes out and he just slinging it around like standard Joe Flacco I was like oh (laughs) uh, oh so yeah it a lot in that game I think can be influenced by who they decide the most recent reports out of Cleveland they're like we're not gonna make a decision until we see both guys practice so I don't know. Um, Wide range of outcomes is where we sit now,
0: but there could be some interesting spots there. All right, Mark, let's go ahead and let's let's break down this episode. Let's get into it. You ready? Let's do it. Let's go. All right, everybody. As you know, we are here to build some lineups. We are here to talk about some stacks that we like. Some guys really like to get into a lot of our lineups to kind of kind of build them and to get them started. And then we're going to end up building a few lineups for y'all three in total, kind of give you the skeleton, the outline, the the success story as to what we see happening with this week. So make sure y'all stay tuned for that. Of course, make sure y'all get your pens and pencils and notepads ready. Mark, How are you starting your lineups out this week? Where do you really like to go? What are some of your studs, some of the, the games that you really want to get on? The Chicago pass game against Detroit
2: is very interesting. The Baltimore pass game this week is very interesting against the Rams. I don't think a lot of people are going to be starting their construction there. And then I also think you can mess around with some Josh Allen in ways that the field is probably not going to get to. So those are kind of where i'm focused right now um as you'll notice like those are three of the highest upside quarterbacks in the league um and i don't think that their ownership is going to match kind of their chances of being like one of the top overall scoring quarterbacks here which is a nice way to start your roster
0: mark i think i said it for the first time on the show with you if you all tuned in since the beginning of the season yeah you know we kind of had a breakdown and kind of talked about players that we always want to run out. And, and I don't remember if I said it on you or with you or on week one as to if it's Justin Fields, if it was Anthony Richardson, if it's any rushing quarterback, as long as they're below seven K I'm playing them, I'm going to be yeah. getting them in my lineups and Justin Fields. I mean, he's sitting number one on my board in terms of guys that I want in my lineups this week. We know that he routinely destroys the lines on the ground in terms of rushing. We saw it again when they played, what was it, two weeks ago or so, maybe three weeks ago. He yeah. put up uh, 100 a 100-plus 100 rushing yards. You know, So I want Justin Fields in there. And then I don't mind stacking him with, with DJ Moore. I think that could go off. We've seen the fantasy output every single week whenever DJ Moore and Justin Fields played together. Meanwhile, Cole Komet, you know, if if we start to see the Lions shed coverage over to D.J. Moore's side, somebody's got a good open, right? And and I think that Cole Komet could be that guy because Justin Fields only really targets two guys. One's Cole Komet, the other one is D.J. Moore. So, I mean, I I like running the stack with Cole Komet. I like stacking it with with D.J. Moore. I'm probably not going to be stacking, you know, both together in the same lineup.
2: I'm actually most interested to do just that because I feel like the governing um, the governing thought about Justin Fields, a quarterback like Justin Fields, is you have to like single stack him, you have to skinny him. Um, so I actually like like DJ. It's very possible that um, something some outcome like Justin Fields rushes for 80 yards and a score, tosses three touchdowns, one goes to DJ Moore and two go to Cole Komet. Like ju- that's how concentrated this pass offense is. So if that's the case, like, and I'm betting on this offense winning this week, as in putting up points, the fact that it's highly likely to come through those primary three guys. Uh, I think it's an easy way to make a bet in a leveraged sense on this slate. Um, you can bring it back with Amon Ross St. Brown. You can bring it back. You don't have to bring it back just because like the Lions are very weird. And we're talking about like breaking down a team's tendencies. The lions are very weird. They're very consistent, but they're not very concentrated from expected production. And that's kind of weird, too, because only two players, only two pass catchers are see, are on the field more than like 80, 85 percent of the snaps on a weekly basis. It's just Amon Ross St. Brown and it's just Sam Laporta. Um, that said, like Amon Ross St. Brown has been hyper consistent this year, but he has not. He's He has only two games where he's gone over 100 yards and scored. And he only has he has one game on the other side of that coin. He only has one game this season where he hasn't done either of those things. So like, and he put up 95 yards in that game. So he's super consistent. He's super efficient with his looks, but the way that his role is in this offense, it's highly unlikely for him to put up like a score that you had to have now with his price approaching 9K. So it's like, yeah, like what if Amon ra goes for 90 yards on a score? So what? That doesn't mean really much to me at his lofty price tag. So the fact that like the bears are cheap, the fact that like, the, the Lions have a split backfield. Both their backs are priced up. Amon Rao's priced up. Sam Laporta's priced up. And then everyone else on their team is playing like 40% of the snaps. It's like, I can just run the double and get the exposure to the upside of this game environment without having to like force a bring back. So that's a very interesting way, I think, to approach the Bears this week or that game, I guess.
0: Yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from in terms of like the, the strategic aspect. If we see it as a runaway game, it could absolutely go that way. My concern is Jared Goff. Jared Goff is documented to do very poorly in poor weather. We're going to see very high winds. It's likely to either snow or just get really messy with the rain in terms of temperature. Now, we're not mm-hmm. expecting a lot. It's not going to be you know more than an inch, two inches is what they're saying throughout the game. However, it's still Jared Goff in poor winter with a lot of wind. You know, wind typically plays the biggest factor in terms of average depth of target completions or yeah. I'm sorry, completions on higher average depth of target. Uh, meanwhile, just accuracy issues with Jared Goff. Now, uh, what I think that this means is that we're going to see a lot of rushing opportunities from Jameer Gibbs and from Dave Montgomery. And that's pretty much what their game plan should be going into this week is that they're going to rush the ball a ton, you know, up against this Chicago Bears defense who, by the way, I'm not buying that the chicago bears defense is significantly better all of a sudden i just think that they've played some really poor quarterbacks over the past several weeks so i still think that there is opportunities to be had on this detroit lions team but i'm a little bit worried about how many opportunities justin fields is going to have to complete balls to dj moore to cole and still gain those rushing yards because we're going to see detroit grind a lot a lot of clock and if it turns out that they use Jared Goff to throw a ton, and he's not completing passes, and he does struggle in the weather, well, then we might see it be, you know, turn into a, uh, you know, Khalil Herbert type game where we're just going to see them, you know, run the ball a lot more often. We're not going to see Just Field's pass for for three touchdowns as much as what we would like for him to do.
2: Yeah, from a from a general sense, I think the field in DFS overrates the impacts of rain and wind uh what i mean by that is rain is and it depends on like defense or offensive tendencies and stuff like that from when you look team to team but everybody is playing on the same field so when you're talking about rain and when you're talking about a a natural grass field like they have at soldier field in chicago um everybody's playing on the same conditions and the defensive backs the safeties the corners they are reactionary. The route runners, the guys who are in a route, they know they can prepare with their how they're distributing their weight, and they know a cut is coming. They know kind of how to manage a messy field. Um, whereas the reactionary players, the defense, um, they don't have that luxury. So we typically see um, muted effects of rain as far as pass production. The wind is important, but it's only important when it comes to about the threshold I use is about 25 miles per hour sustained wind. Um, and at a, at a, a field like soldier field, the direction of the wind also means a whole lot. Um, because a lot of the time at soldier, you get these cross wind components. So wind blowing across the field. Whereas if you look at like MetLife is a good example, a lot of the winds they get are like kind of down the pipe. So it's like, Um, influences deep passing one direction and doesn't as much going the other way. So just from a general sense, like I think the field just overweights weather. Um, And from what I'm seeing, and it's still, dude, we're like we said, we're recording this on Wednesday. So um, models and weather (laughs) expectations are going to be not very accurate. Um, When we start getting to like Friday night, Saturday morning, and then uh, obviously on Sunday morning, we'll have a little bit better idea. But I think right now, I would just completely like get weather out of your mind, especially this early in the week, um, because then you start getting into these like psychological aspects of like, Oh shit, I'm not going to, I'm just going to cross this team off because um, because we're expecting weather. So I, I prefer like not even to like similar to ownership. I don't look at weather until Saturday typically um, because I don't want those like biases to, to creep in. So I don't know, quick spiel, just the, 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 devil's advocate for that scenario. Um, Yeah. Yeah,
0: I completely agree with you in terms of like, hey, we really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, You know, this is just more so of like a shit. If this ends up being the case, we could end up looking at a complete turn in terms of a point score. And I think that it feels like they've already accounted for this happening. I mean, we're talking about 25 mile an hour gust winds is what it's projected to be. But the bigger aspect for this market is is Vegas went from 44.5 over under down to 40.5 or 41.5 already. So so people are already hammering, hammering this under, you know, like I said, if, if it ends up being clean, right, and we're not dealing with anything, no wind, you know, no rain, no snow, nothing like that, then throw everything I said out the window, let's go, you know, run this on both sides. But I do agree with you that uh, the Detroit side gets a little bit sticky over there, especially if uh, if the wind ends up playing a, a little bit of a factor. Now, yeah, this
2: game, real quick, this game has had one of the weirder line movements I've seen. Uh, it started, it opened at 45 and a half. It was bet down to 40. So five and a half points <laughs> is massive. That's massive. That ma- that's what I'm saying. It's huge. Like, look at this point spreads. So that was yesterday. It was bet from opening lines. So Sunday evening to yesterday. So that those like three days or two and a half days it bet it was bet down from 45 and a half to 40 today. It was bet back up to 44.0 before settling now at 43 and a half. So like, this is a wild, <laughs> I, the, the field wow. doesn't know what to do. Like betting markets don't know what to do with this game, which I love because that's the kind of chaos that I think we thrive in uh, as God. DFS players. But yeah, this, this game movement has been crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm going to love some Jameer Gibbs and Steve Montgomery. I think you could play them both in the same lineup this week, to be honest, if it ends up being all messy. Now, I do have one more game that I, or one more stack that I want to go through with you, and then I want to build a lineup. Uh, I want to throw this out there because Josh Jobs I think is getting disrespected majorly. I think he's going to come out pissed off. You know, once again, you, you talk about trying to get in their mindsets. You really don't know what they're thinking, but I can only assume that this is his last shot. At least he feels like it. I think he's going to come out firing with Justin Jefferson uh, most likely coming back healthy. You know, the Raiders have been really bad. The past four to five weeks, up against quarterbacks, although they haven't allowed a ton of touchdowns, teams haven't had to put touchdowns against them. Meanwhile, you have Max Crosby getting a little bit reckless back there, getting a little bit impatient, you know, continuing drives and they shouldn't be continued with, with penalties. You could just see this whole defense is just restless, right? They're just they're ready to get this season over with and, and yeah. start into twenty twenty four. It seems like the Vikings are the exact opposite right now. It just seems like the Vikings are ready to roll. The The Raiders aren't. I kind of want to play some lineups here with Josh Jobs and Justin Jefferson. How are you feeling?
2: Yeah, that's also interesting because the Vikings are very much in, like, desperation mode. I mean, they have dropped... I think the Packers leaped them in the playoff standings in the NFC with that win last week. Oh, no, they didn't. They're both at 6-6. and Um, Minnesota... I don't know. That's that's a paragraph. I'm not reading that all (laughs) (laughs) Um, Minnesota and Green Bay are tied for in record at six and six. They still play this year, uh, but they play once more. I think the tiebreaker for that is that Minnesota beat Green Bay earlier. Um, I'd have to look. But anyway, um, they're tied and for the sixth and the seventh playoff spots in the NFC. Um, and obviously Green Bay plays on Monday night. They do have that game where they play left, uh, but Minnesota has obviously been slipping over the previous couple weeks, and um, they're like nice and comfy lead for a playoff spot for one of those wild card spots, and the NFC is gone. So, yeah, there's there's a little bit of like fire behind or under them right now. They're getting Justin Jefferson back. Obviously, we know they've got talent, Um, and this is an unimposing matchup, so I don't hate that one bit. I think it's uh, an
0: interesting spot, especially at his salary. All right, it's time to build a lineup, my friend. Where do we want to start this one? It feels like we're both on board with Justin Fields. Um, where do you, I'll, I'll let yeah, you dude. call it the, the first one. Where do you want to go? Let's do the Justin Fields double and just, just chew on it a little bit, see how it feels. All right, sounds good. We'll start out with Justin Fields. We're going to do DJ Moore, of course. We're going to do Cole Kmet. Now, I do want to play at least one running back from detroit in this lineup you know they both went off the last time they played you know which one do you feel more comfortable with because detroit has actually been i mean i'm sorry chicago has been somewhat porous up against receiving backs you know jameer gibbs might have his week once again yes and no i think um if i get a
2: veto i'll actually can i veto that (laughs) can we we not play a detroit back which Um, one would you like to play which which route would you like to go here I don't want to play either back, honestly, either Detroit back on this lineup. Um, I think, I think the, the standard like mentality when we're building rosters is like the only way that this game has upside is if it like completely shoots out. Um, And uh, the lions, like we talked about earlier, they're just like this weird team where they could still be involved in a shootout. And the, the, the primary production could be spread against four guys, similar to like San Francisco um, is a good example um, or Philly. It's like, if all those guys are healthy being David Montgomery, um, Jameer Gibbs, um, Almond Ross, St. Brown and Sam Laporta. Um, if all those guys are healthy and then there's still outs to failure for like a, a long touchdown to like, if Jamos finds his way to a 40 yarder um, and kind of soaks up the production from a drive or two. So I don't know, like, yeah, Jameer Gibbs looks good on paper in, in this roster, but I think that's kind of where like the field will want to go. Um,
0: and I don't think it's necessary, uh, I particularly think you're gonna see a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, resistance up against the field, having the running out the two guys, the double stack, right? Isn't that the, the reason why yeah. double stack? Yeah, it is. Um, it is.
2: All right. I'll defer to you. We can, you can throw Jameer in, in there if but, you want.
0: No, no. I, I want to throw one more thing to you just to see if I can get you to, to at least yeah. slightly change your mind. I know you're more on game yeah. script versus players, right? But yeah. we talk about the the Bears. They allow the third most targets to the running back position, the third most receptions to the running back position. But they're allowing the most yards by a full ten yards to the running back position per week. They are absolutely uh, like through an the abomination. air abomination through the air. They're allowing ten yeah. more yards uh, per week to the running back position because they are so bad about defending pass catching running backs. They just don't have the the defense situation to do it. They don't have the players that can keep up with the running backs. They just let these running backs go all over them. And it's kind of crazy because you would think the Bears have a very subpar record. They don't play against a ton of receiving backs throughout the year. So it's not like teams need to pass against them. But yet they're still just giving up yards. They're they're literally just handing it to them on a silver platter saying, please use your running backs to pass against us because we can't stop them. I want to cause I haven't broken
2: down the slate fully yet. So I was curious to look at like how that's been since Montez sweat come came over. Um, and it looks like the it's, so it's only been what three games one four games. Um, and it looks like it's been a lot better. I mean, they played the Panthers. They played this lions team. They played the Vikings. So like two of those three teams, uh, and they played the saints since Montez sweat came over. So, um, a good, I mean, they fed five, the Saints fed five targets to Alvin Kamara, one to Kendra Miller. The most production that they've given up through the air since Sweat came over was to this Lions team. And Jameer Gibbs saw six targets, put up six receiving, six catches for 59 yards. Um so like while that I think we're we're into the part of the season, I think, where we're the field is probably overweighting um like season-long metrics and not looking at like what has happened since the trade deadline. Um, And particularly for a team like the bears where they've had a pretty large shakeup um, and they were already like they were, they're allowing the fewest yards per carry uh, to opposing backfields this year. So that's like Dave Montgomery's off the table for me uh, because of that. And then now that it's like, well, they're getting better against pass catching backs. Um, They're getting more pressure with sweat. Um, He is that like, that dynamic defensive lineman that, and, uh that can come off a tackle and come inside or come off a tackle and pursue uh, inside because he's really athletic. So I don't know. Um, that was just, I like just talking it out because like, I haven't even broken yep. down that game yet. So um, I, that's a good discussion.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, this is just something where I want to throw it out. I'd rather people, you know, know as they get the best insight to it. So if you guys want to use Jameer Gibbs, go for it. If not, we're going to go ahead and skip him at least for this lineup and see if we can uh, fit somebody else into this puzzle. So I guess at this point, you know, I brought up the, the idea of the Travis Etienne and mm-hmm. Jag stack on defense. Uh, it it kind of works for this game. And honestly, I don't think it's going to see a lot of high ownership. Is this somewhere where you could see yourself going? Yeah, I don't mind that one
2: bit. I mean, the, the Cleveland Browns are facing the highest rush rate of any team in the league. Um, and it's because like, their defense their their secondary their uh their defensive scheme has just been that good at suppressing production through the air. So, yeah, Travis Etienne is a guy that has a clear path to like 22 to 25 carries um and at only 7k I think that is a good bet to make.
0: Now, do we want to do the stack with the defense or would we rather do a skinny run back with Elijah Moore or one of these other, you know, receivers obviously we don't know who's going to be at quarterback yet. That is interesting. And my mind immediately goes to
2: Ari Cooper, actually. I know he's – well, he's coming off – he has a concussion. He's not going to practice. He's, oh, shit. He might be out, dude. He he was concussed. So, um,
0: yeah, let's go Elijah Moore. I think that's that's interesting. All right. I like it, man. And honestly, like I, I feel like if you don't go Elijah Moore, then it's a requirement that you take the Jaguars defense because if it's, you know, Doral Green Beckham – or. Uh, uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Thompson Robinson. Sorry, I was yeah. thinking about uh, the ex-receiver for yeah. uh, the Eagles. But, <laughs> anyways, uh, Thompson Robinson, you know that's uh that's an easy toss-up for a few sacks for for Josh Allen back there, who should be dominating this uh, this defense or this offensive line. Um, yeah. So right, I got, we're set I got, up. I got Go an
2: interesting pairing to continue this roster build. Yeah. How much, uh, how much salary? So we have fifty-two. What does the combination of CMC and Drake London look like as far as salary. Ooh,
0: all right. So we got CMC in there, and we got Drake London. Before we go through what's left over, I'm going to go ahead and read off the uh, roster as well. He's 46, so, yeah. 46. So we're looking at Justin Fields, Travis Etienne. Uh, we already had D, uh, yeah, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, Cole Kmet. We were sitting at 5200. We are now sitting with Christian McCaffrey and Drake London. We have 3,500 remaining, which means that we can get a cheap defense and paid out and then get somebody at flex probably around the 4K range. Is this mm-hmm. something that you're liking? Are you liking the, the sauce right here? Or is this something yeah, you I feel think, like you want to be forward um, with?
2: Yeah, let's do that. <clears throat> let's, uh, how expensive is... Hold on, I want to check something real quick. How expensive is JSN? Yeah, JSN's at 4,100, dude. That is where I'd probably go.
0: All right, let's go ahead and throw JSN... No, we've just three K for a D. Yeah, which actually plenty, plenty of space. Yeah, um, we have the Vikings defense up against the Raiders, who you know I've I've talked about as the the Raiders. Just <laughs> I do not see them performing very well. Oh no, I'm sorry, that's like 3100. So we're a little bit above that. Yeah. Um, we have the the Browns. We can't really play in this lineup. We have the Panthers, uh, who you know are somewhat interesting, but you know I don't love that. I think it's just gonna be a low scoring game with very low points scored, especially on the defensive side. We have the Falcons to to pair with Drake London if we think it's going to be a blowout. We have the Jets up against Houston. We have the Broncos up against the Chargers. Are you feeling any of these that I've read off so far?
2: Dude, This is super, like, not what the general populace would do, but I'd actually prefer the Browns defense in this roster. If you think about, like, what, how, like, is there a path to a combination of Travis Etienne plus the Browns plus Elijah Moore. Um, and it would require, I think the, I think it would require like the Jaguars controlling the game environment in the first half, which very clearly with a backup quarterback is going to be through ETN. Um, and then like hopefully finding his way to like 70 yards and a touchdown oh. in the first half. Um, and then, like a defensive touchdown or something in the second half from the Browns defense while, uh, I don't know, can it happen? I don't know.
0: It's super interesting. This is my concern with it, right? So for those that have been following me for a while, they know that I've I've created the dose score, which is the dump off containment efficiency score. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get it out there this year, but I can still look at most teams and, and understand the formula that I have to tell if a running back typically will have success in the air versus a particular defense. Mm -hmm. And with Cleveland, they've actually done an extremely phenomenal job containing the running back position when they do see receptions. And Cleveland's Mm -hmm. been winning in most of the games this year. So they will end up seeing, you know, some number of targets up against those teams. Now, it's not like they face the gauntlet of receiving backs, right? They face, you know, the Steelers, of course, the Bengals, the Titans, the the Ravens, uh, the Colts, the Seahawks. None of these teams really use the running back in the receiving game. However, when we look at the 49ers, for example, they were able to keep Christian McCaffrey to just three receptions for nine yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. There, there's just certain uh, levels that that certain defenses, because of their scheme, can contain running backs a little bit better than the others, such as like the Browns, as we talked about earlier. And, and the Browns actually have one of them. So I uh, I don't think if Travis team was facing, you know, the same sort of situation where hey, they might be up. They could get a bunch of turnovers, score a touchdown late, but Travis Etienne could see work in the receiving game. I would be much more on board, right? I, I if he if I thought that he could get five, six, even seven, you know, targets, I'd be much more on board. But Travis Etienne has to score touchdowns. I think in this lineup to pay off that seven k. So we're talking about yeah. a, a very low floor, maybe a higher ceiling, but a very low floor game for the Browns that I don't know will get us there for the uh, for that that big time, you know, payoff.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um- and it like, I don't know, there's a discussion to be had about like what, what is important to defensive scoring? What is important to running back scoring now yeah. in like the current state of the NFL, um, any running back you enter in a lineup that's not named Christian McCaffrey, you need them to pierce a hundred yards on the ground. You need them to score at least one touchdown. And it, there are some backs that have like enough pass catching role to put up like something like three for 30 through the air. Uh, which alleviates one of the need for multiple touchdowns. Um, But like the blueprint to 25 fantasy points is hundred yards on the ground on DK to get the bonus, a touchdown. And then if they don't have receiving work, multiple touchdowns, if they do have receiving work enough to get like three for 30. So, um, and then like the flip side of that is like defense is just the most variant position. So I, it's just really hard to predict. So, yeah, I don't know. We can put anybody in this. I think, um, I think the Browns are fine, I think. What um, about the Falcons the, up against Tampa. Yeah, the Falcons are fine. Um the problem with the Falcons, I think they're still at only 12 turnovers generated this season. Um correct me if I'm wrong on that. Did they get one last week. Yeah. I don't did. have that number up. Oh yeah, they got 3 last week. So yeah, heading into last week against the Jets, they only had 12 turnovers generated. Obviously, the quarterback situation in New York gave them three <laughs> more. Uh and yeah, I don't know. Um Falcons are fine. Yeah. Any, any of these guys, it's just like defense below 3k. It's fine. <laughs> You're just looking for a defensive score.
0: Let's let's go with the Falcons. Let's go ahead and plug those guys in cool. uh, and go from there. And let's go ahead and hit submit for that. Once again, we have Justin Fields, Travis Etienne, Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Elijah Moore, Drake London, uh, Cole Kmet, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, and the Falcons defense... That is entered in. How you feeling about that lineup? Give it, a, give it a rating, one to ten. Uh, probably a six
2: or a seven. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. um, it's, it's obviously it's going to depend on what what contest you're putting it in. That's not a millimaker lineup per se. Um, that's more of like a small field. It looks like that was a single entry, twelve dollar fair catch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's fine in that that contest. I would more prefer to put that in like a, a smaller field, single entry, um, like one of the. The like secondary spy where like they, they released like three spies. Um, the one with like what is it, 2,200 entries, something like that. I don't know.
0: So I guess did you like the base of it? Did you like where we started with Justin Fields? You know, the ETN, yeah. DJ Moore, Cole Komet, did, did you at least give that a 10 out of 10 or a nine out yeah. of 10 or 8 out of 10? No.
2: It and why I say it's a six or a seven out of ten is because um we used three wide receivers that were priced between 4,100 and 4,600. So that is not going to be done (laughs) a lot. Um, And I think people will look at that roster and say like, Oh, it's better suited for Millie. Um, It's not because you need like in a, in a large field contest like that, it's all about raw points. And the same can be said like for single entry stuff as well, but very clearly the score needed to ship those contests is a lot smaller. Um, A lineup like that, For you to win like the Millie maker with a lineup like that, you are making a bet that says those three wide receivers that we played that are between 4,100 and 4,600 are all going to score 25 plus fantasy points. Very unlikely to happen, right? Um, Obviously, we did things where we kind of increased the chances per se, like by correlation and by um, stacking and all the things that we did. Um, So yeah, for the $12 single entry contest, it's probably like an eight lineup. Um, because I think there's no, nobody in that contest is going to have three wide
0: receivers in that
2: price range. It's not going to happen.
0: Well, if y'all want to use that base, right, what you got to do is you got to go in, you got to play some Justin Fields, you got to play some ETN, right? You got to play some DJ Moore, maybe some Cole Komet, and then you want to take that, right? And you want to plug it into the DFS optimizer because that's, that's what it's there for, right? It's there to create so many different opportunities. So maybe you don't play some CMC and you can get some of those higher end wide receivers that could really optimize that lineup. Go over there and check it out over there on playerprofiler.com. Podfather wants to say a little something about it too.
1: DFS getting harder every year, but we're here to make it easier with the DFS dominator because I know a lot of optimizers keep coming out. Oh, our optimizer. What about this optimizer? But that optimizer. Well, we have a Cash Game Optimizer that leverages the projections from Dario, Billy, the award-winning projections at playerprofiler.com and builds the best. Lineups for cash games that have both upside and stability, because that's what you want. It's a couple clicks, boom, boom, boom. You get the best possible lineup for your cash games. But for tournaments, traditional optimizers don't work. That's why we have a lineup genius, which takes you through the process of building lineups the way they should be built. Which quarterbacks you want to be overweight on? Then building stacks, then setting runbacks, then optimizing and generating up to 150 lineups that you can easily import into DraftKings, into FanDuel. That's the DFS Dominator. It's only $45 a year. Not not a week. A, A year. A year. Just go to Player Profiler, click on the DFS Dominator from the menu, and you won't be sorry.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? honestly I've been using it for years I love it even if you don't have like you know a huge bankroll right you just choose those 25 cent games those five cent games and then Mac Max entry them that's actually how I, I built up the start of my 2022 season I, I ended up throwing 20 bucks in there and maxed out the the entries for 150 entry uh contests I think it threw 40 bucks in there Dude, it, it ends up working like almost every time it's magical go check it out over there the DFS optimizer all right, we have to build another lineup, but before we do, Mark, we got to talk a little bit about some of these guys that we want to fade. We don't want anywhere close to our lineups for this upcoming week. It's tough, man, because there's just so many guys to choose from. I feel like, I mean, yeah, you, you want me to talk about Chris Godwin? Do you want me to talk about Puka Nakua? Do you want me to talk about? I mean, like, I just feel like there's so many different avenues that I can go with this one. But I guess, uh, you know, Josh Jacobs for me is is probably the the guy that you know, I feel like I need to avoid, I, I don't know where to start, man. Where do you want to start? Um,
2: yeah, let's keep it at the, let's keep it at running back. And I think, um, Austin Eckler is a very interesting name uh, to talk about a fade. Yeah. I think the field is going to look and see his, like that green 32nd next to the Denver defense. Um, and while the Denver defense, like they haven't been good against running backs and they haven't been good against tight ends because they play so much zone. That's just kind of filters production in the middle of the field, uh, particularly inline tight ends. But, They've been better and they've been a better defense um, top to bottom over the last, what, six weeks. Um, and so much of like the production that has been had against them has come from that game where they gave up 70 points. I mean, which makes a lot of sense you give up 70 points, yeah. to get
0: kind of crucified. Um, Such a massive, massive aspect of, of those games actually came from that. I mean, we're talking like nine receptions, yeah. I think or 11 receptions for like a hundred yards and three touchdowns in the air alone. Like, yeah. yes, I agree.
2: Yeah, and Eckler very clearly, like, is not right yet from his high ankle sprain. Um, I think, like, two weeks ago, he was clocked running 13 miles per hour in the open field. I was like, <laughs> <"Bruh>, what? <laughs> I, yeah, bro, what? I, I got farts that move faster than that, dude. Like, what is this? Um, but, no, I mean, he's very clearly just not right. He's And he's older. It makes a lot of sense. Like, he's going to take a little bit longer. Um, but coming off a high ankle sprain, and, yeah, he came back and he's played. Uh, but he's not right so I think Eckler is an interesting name on the fade list uh, because I think that people are gonna look and just be like yo Eckler is how much he's seventy six hundred um I'm gonna just gonna play Eckler because he's in a great matchup and I would caution because the matchup isn't as good as it looks on paper
0: I like it man honestly I like it let's go ahead and let's build another lineup I want to use somebody a little bit different than the uh, than the ones that that we've been discussing. You know, we want to mix it up. We want to try and give people a different, you know, kind of look to it. So typically, that starts at the quarterback position. You know, I mentioned Josh Dobbs. Are you in any way, shape, or form interested in Josh Dobbs, or do, would you rather go a different direction?
2: No, I think that's I think that's fun. Let's let's hit that. All
0: right, Josh Dobbs, and, and we want to avoid Justin Jefferson. No, I'm just kidding. We absolutely want to play Justin <laughs> Jefferson with him this week. Uh, he's uh, absolutely in, you know, every single lineup that that has Josh jobs in it. But that's okay because, you know, that it's not going to be played that often. I'm I'm going to expect less than what three percent, maybe less than five percent at most, uh, ownership on Josh jobs and that's if it even hits one percent. So, him sitting at 5,900, I think, is pretty sexy. He pairs nicely with 8,500 with Justin Jefferson. Do you want to run this back with Devontae Adams, you know, just in case you're down in the fourth quarter and you think that you can see a ton of targets? We know the Minnesota defense isn't great. Uh, do, do you like it at all? Do you, do you want to fade that? How do you feel like this game could go? Yeah, I
2: think that's fine. Again, um, it takes a lot of salary. Um, but, like, a, from a theoretical perspective, what is important this season? We have to realize first that, like, Scoring is down around the, across the league. Um, I've given the numbers in multiple places, reiterate them now, like two, uh, three years ago in 2020, the COVID year teams were scoring 2.88 touchdowns per game. That was down basically consistently falling until last year where it was 2.43. So you talk about almost a, a full touchdown was being scored less last season when compared to 2020 per game. Um, Because you know, whatever this season, it's below 2.30 touchdowns per team per game. So over a full touchdown is being scored lower per game this year than it was in 2020. And when we started getting into like projections, we're in full swing in 2020 and people were basing and learning. And that was kind of like the explosion year for DFS. Like it was like, the poker boom compared to that, like Chris moneymakers yeah. year 2009, 2008, whenever that was 2006. I don't remember. Um, yeah, that was like the initial poker boom. The initial DFS boom happened like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. This was like the secondary boom. People were at home. We were like, we need something to get us through this yes. sense. This was like the secondary, uh, football boom or DFS boom. Right. Um, and in that, we had a large influx of players that were all figuring out how to play this game. And what came of that, because scoring was up, that was the peak year in scoring, it was like the governing way to build your roster in DFS yeah. is a quarterback plus a pass catcher plus a correlated bring back. That formula like loses its, its, its gusto or its path to being optimal when scoring is down like it is this season. So, what that means basically two things for us. One is skinny stacks gain importance with no bring back. And the second thing is game environment bets or game environment like overstacks, like diving fully into a game environment gain importance because it's highly unlikely if a game that wasn't expected to blow up blows up. It's highly unlikely now that another game matches that, so it becomes increasingly important. Um, I missed this when it happened, but like, did anyone play Tua plus Tyreek Hill plus Raheem Mostert plus Devonne Chan? Like, nobody did that. <laughs> like, that would have shipped millie makers in week two or three or whatever the hell that was. Um, yep. So, yeah, if a if a team like vastly overperforms expectations in this year in twenty twenty three, it means so much more to us. So. All that to say, like in a spot where the field's not going to Josh Dobbs, Justin Jefferson, I think it's fine to like throw Devonte Adams plus TJ Hawkinson onto this roster. Um, and say like this game puts up 70 points and no other game comes close to it on a week like this with like scoring is gross. I think that's completely viable.
0: All right, I- I'm down to do that. I could definitely go with Hawkinson as well. You know, I think that there are some decent tight end uh, matchups this week. I mean, we got Kelsey, Laporta, Hawkinson. Hawkinson is actually below Laporta now, which for me is still a little bit bizarre considering, yeah. you know, what Hawkinson can do. Um, Hawkinson you know, is the tight Kittle. end one this year. Like, yeah, it, it's <laughs> bizarre that he's sitting there third most expensive. Um, yeah. You know, we have Kittle, Kincaid. Like, there is a lot of tight end options this week, but I'm I would love to play Hawkinson. And uh, paid out with Dobbs now. I'm a little bit concerned where that's going to leave us with salary if we also uh, throw Adams into this lineup. Which, by the way, I don't love Adams, but I I just think it makes too much sense. Like, you know, it's not like I'm going out and play Adams by himself. I I don't think I'll have any lineups to be honest, unless Adams just fits in as like the last piece because I have 7,500 left over for whatever reason. Um, But but I do think that in this lineup, it it just makes too much sense that they're going to be down. They're going to have a lot of third and longs. Fonte Adams is going to have to have probably 10 receptions, you know, in this game, regardless if they stay in it or not. All right. So we're sitting here at at 4,400 left with jobs with, excuse me, Dobbs, Jefferson, Adams, and Hawkinson. I'm going to throw in a placeholder defense for this one right around the three K we'll say the Browns um, for this one in particular, because it's not likely that we're going to be able to fit Etienne in here. or Really any uh, Jacksonville guy that we would want to play. So we now have 44 or 4775. So 45,4800 left. Where are we going?
2: Uh, let's knock out a running back spot. And in that same discussion of like, what do you need from a running back? It's the same across the board for everyone not named CMC. Keaton Mitchell is very interesting at only 4900 because. Like he is, he's obviously going to share the backfield. He's obviously going to seed goal line work to Gus Edwards, but that's not what you're playing him for. You're playing him to pierce a hundred yards and score and then add on three catches for 30 yards. Um, he gets to 25 points at in a roster like this um, at only 4,900 it's money in the bank. So that's the kind of bet that you need to make. If you're, if you're building a roster like this, where you're betting on a game environment, it's like, now I've, I've placed my bet on this game environment. I'm saying If that one thing goes right, I get four spots on my roster, right? What can I do to, like, leverage that the most? It's like, who can give me production at a cheap price at at running back that matches, like, Austin Eckler at 7,600? Like, if Austin Eckler puts up 25 points, we're all like, okay, like, that's fine at at 7,600. Keaton Mitchell does it. Now we're like, we're in business, baby. So that's an interesting spot, I think,
0: this week. Yeah, I mean, this is... Devonta chain like or chan all over again like this is a, a poorer version of him but he's not worse he's not really poor he just will never see the opportunity uh that, that you know chan will see so i love this pick i think he's hyper efficient i just hope that he has to get you know you have to hope that he gets north of 10 12 touches in order to get there i still think that he absolutely could with that few touches i love this play I'm 100% putting him in the roster now. Just a guy that that's 100 bucks more than him. I'm just curious what your feel is on this, because Damien Pierce came back, you know, from an injury. Obviously, didn't see the full workload. Still is battling with Devin Singletary, but he has a dope matchup up against the Jets, who are 26th up against running back. We don't expect a lot of points to be scored. This could be somewhat of a, you know, just a, a gross matchup. But is there any way that that you could see yourself putting Damien Pierce into a tournament lineup?
2: I don't think so. Um, There's a 30 minute conversation that can be had. Why? Um,
0: (laughs) We don't got to go into all that. Just yeah, yeah. the
2: the like the the Cliff Notes version of that is Damian Pierce is a first read rusher and he's like, I don't want to call him. I don't want to say he has poor vision, but like he has poor vision. Um, he's a one read running back that is capable of hitting a hole, a first read hole and gaining eight yards. Like that is Damien Pierce, the like, not that he's awesome, but Devin Singletary is a vision quarterback and a patience quarterback. Um, and that is important because of what we're seeing Bobby Slowick do with his offense. I mean, we have, um, with Laramie Tunzel healthy, they have like two of the top Um, run blocking and pulling tackles in the league. And they're using them like that, which is really crazy. They're doing some really interesting stuff, um, in that like third generation West coast offense. Um, now with tank Dell out, we might see them rely a little bit more on the running back game, but all that to say, like Devin Singletary is a better pure fit as a runner in this scheme. Um, so I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't go there personally.
0: All right. So, yeah, I wouldn't either. I just wanted to get your take on it because I have seen Damian Pierce name pop up, obviously, with his re-emergence with 15 touches and still only got 40 yards. I mean, I'd love it. Just wanted to get your take. Uh, As for, you know, these other guys, that actually took a little bit of money away, not a ton, but we're sitting at 4,700. Yeah, what a— Go what ahead. about,
2: I mean, we can pay like 5,900 for Zach
0: Moss coming off a shitty game last
2: week. He's still going to see 80, 85% of the backfield work. Uh, and he gets a much better matchup against Cincinnati here.
0: I faded Zach Moss so hard last week. And this week I'm actually down to play him because he's not going to be as, as chalky. And he's yeah. what, like 1,300 more than what he was last week. I mean, I, I literally, I faded the hell out of Zach Moss. I was just like, I need yeah. him in that back game. It's the Tennessee Titans. I know he did it, you know, earlier in the season, but I don't care. That was a fluke. I'm glad that, uh, that that ended up working out and, and Tyreek Hill broke, you know, the the scoring, obviously. So that was great uh, for me. However, if we pay up at 5,900, we're talking about, I mean, scraping the bottom barrel at, at wide receiver and flex. Well, I mean, not really, because we have like two pay up wide receivers already. Uh, I think it can work. Okay. Yeah, I just meant for the, the final two spots. Yeah,
2: yeah. And we've we've identified some guys that are pay down options. Um We also have, like, you could make this roster work by making, like, one very interesting bet. Like, what about Marvin Mims against the Chargers? Um, Like, he's only 3,300. Like, that's what... When we're talking about pay down options in DFS, the field is going to be so... And this is just like human psychology. um, The field is going to be biting off on the guys that project well. When we look at the guys that are pay down options that project well. It's like the guys that are projected at a median of like 10 fantasy points at 3,500. It's like, what does that give you? <laughs> that gives you nothing in a GPP roster. A guy like Marvin Mims, who we know has like 100 yard upside on three, two, three catches, that's more interesting to me from these pay down guys. So, like, against a Chargers defense that just continues to not perform to the level of their talent under Staley. So bizarre. Um, it's so weird, but like, that's the kind of bet I'm willing to make on a roster like this, where it's like, if Marvin Mims catches three balls for hundred yards and a score, you're looking at like 20 fantasy points at 3,300. That is important to a GPP roster. So, uh, and we saw it with Alec Pierce last week. Like he was entering the optimal discussion because he put up a uh, hundred yards and a touchdown at 3,300. Um, Marvin Mims is a guy that can do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say MVS has been getting downfield targets repeatedly. I think that's a guy at at 3K that I get behind. Sky Moore, although he's not as involved in the offense, you still want a piece of the Bills and and Chiefs game, but you want to fade the rest of it. That's still an opportunity to get in and on. Um, There's a handful of guys that are down here. I mean, we talk about Parker Washington, who I think could easily get there. I know he has a tougher matchup up against the Browns, but over there in the slot, I think that it's an excellent opportunity. You know for for him to to find a way for cJ bether to find those checkdowns to get the ball into somebody's hands without taking a bunch of sacks that could be a route to go uh,
2: yeah with route...
0: Williams down at 3500 i as love well. jameson Williams up against the yeah draft. I there's, love there's jameson options Williams. down here all right so which route do you think would would suffice or would benefit this one the most because we just named probably five guys that I'm all in love with
2: yeah let's go let's go jmo um that'll leave us with what i mean Still, I mean, yeah, with five K for this for the flex player, forty eight hundred for flex, if something like that.
0: Yeah, we're sitting at forty eight hundred. Yeah, for, for that flex Plenty, spot. plenty. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. We're we're looking at uh, a cream hunt popped up in the injury report today. I didn't see what that was. I don't know if you did. mm I didn't. Um, to be honest with you, that forty eight hundred range. Let me switch over to Flex, because that was not looking uh, too hot. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I I don't like, you know, I'm seeing. And by the way, we can still alter this defense. We have the Browns, which we paid up for. We can pay down if we need to. And then we can pay up for a better defense. if we find a guy that's a little bit cheaper, like a Drake London that we like, um, you know, who might have standalone value. Um, okay. Elijah Moore's in there at 45. What about Jerry Judy? We didn't go
2: with Marvin Mims. I what was about thinking... Jerry Judy?
0: I was thinking Jerry Judy before the show started. And then I just completely talked myself out of it. Cause he's just so gross to yeah. have to fit in there, but you want him to do well. You think he's going to do well. I mean, Corlin Sutton's going to receive a lot of attention. But let's do it. Fuck it. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Cause we went Drake London last roster.
2: So change it up a little bit on this one.
0: Yeah. Honestly, I'd almost be more enough to play Joshua Kelly. You know, if Austin Eckler doesn't kick it off, Denver gives off the most uh, explosive plays to the running back position as well and i think they're up there in terms of scoring opportunities like you brought up running back position is inflated by that one game but it is breakaway run opportunities which they they didn't see an enormous amount of those in that game. there was a lot but there wasn't this was a lot of passing um so yeah let's go ahead and hit enter we are in there and i'm going to keep us on this screen as we go to our last contest and we talk about some of these sleepers that we actually would like to fit into our lineups Where would we like to start with our sleepers? And by the way, sleepers could be people that just aren't being played. They could be expensive. They could be cheap. It's up to us to define a sleeper.
2: Let's go with Lamar Jackson and Isaiah Likely.
0: All right. Lamar Jackson, Isaiah Likely. That's a hell of a sleeper right there.
2: Yeah. He's, uh, Everyone like in best ball season was like Isaiah likely, dude, this guy is ultra like talented. All he needs is an injury to Mark Andrews. So many
0: shirts of Isaiah likely. Yeah. And now that we're in
2: (laughs) DFS season, it's like Isaiah likely has shit the bed twice. Now he's trash. It's like, no, he's he's still pretty good at football, dude. Yeah.
0: That makes me nervous. But honestly, the Rams are so good up against outside wide receivers. I could see this happening. Yeah. Um, You know, I I don't hate this start. And as for, you know, other tight ends that I really like at the sweeper position, and Kincaid faces the Chiefs, right? This is a way to get in on that game without having to to get too heavily invested. The Chiefs have allowed double digit points to two of the three best tight ends they played, or decent tight ends, I should say, they played. One of them that they didn't allow the double digit points to was Sam Laporta, which was week one, which he wasn't getting a full snap share. So they've allowed double digit points to. The, the two that actually were worth it at the time that they played. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Chiefs have been very good up against the wide receivers. So, you know, I expect them to, to do some work up against Stephon Diggs, of course, and Gabriel Davis I just don't see having a game. So Josh Allen's going to have to find, you know, somewhere to go with that ball. I mean, unless he's throwing dots like, you know, Jordan Love, I don't know if he's going to be able to, to have as many passing yards. However, you still have an opportunity for Dalton Kincaid to get there. And Chiefs have been good up against the tight end. They just haven't been as great as the numbers might uh, you know, indicate they, they have. Been. So I, I love him as a sleeper. Now, I do want to throw one other sleeper out there for you before we get into a build. And I just want to get your take on this because he's still expensive. He's sitting at 6,300. And that's Adam Thielen up against the Saints. Over the, You talked about earlier how like we're weighing too much into what have you done throughout the whole season versus what have you done recently. And the Saints recently have been horrendous on defense. They've allowed the third, I believe, or fourth most points over the past three weeks. And we know that they struggle in the slot. I mean, when when Thielen did play them earlier in the season, he put up 20 points on them. I know there's a corollary out there saying, hey, they're just trying to get the younger players involved. But on the outside, Paulson and uh, Yidem have been actually very, very good. Meanwhile, their slot corner... What's his name? Thomas, I believe. Taylor, excuse me. He mm-hmm. has been horrendous. He's been one of the worst slot corners in the entire league. I mean, Adam Thielen has a green light this week, which is completely dominate. And if you think that the offensive coordinator is going to sit there and call plays for Bryce Young and say, hey, we want you to pass to your other guys. You know, Adam Thielen's going to be running the most routes in the entire team, but we want you to pass the other guys instead, although Adam Thielen is going to be open. That's not going to be the case. Adam Thielen comes out of this game with at least, what, seven receptions, probably like 60 yards, and a touchdown putting up right around that 20 points at, at 6,300. You know, you get two touchdowns out of, which I think is very likely if, if you know, we see the the Panthers put up at least, what, three, or even two touchdowns. He could have both of them. I mean, how are you feeling about that take with Adam Thielen out of the slot? Yeah, I think Thielen is fine.
2: Um, this offense has looked so bad, uh, under Frank Reich it's, and, it is bad. and it, it's looked even worse, um, with Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, uh, when he was in charge of calling plays those four games, it's looked even worse. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, Thielen is a guy that I think you can continue to play, especially he's probably going to come in, um, at his cheapest price, uh, since his blowout games earlier in the season and at his lowest ownership potentially. So I think that's fine. Yeah.
0: Okay. I just wanted to throw it out there. It doesn't have to be in this lineup. I just, while we were on sleepers, I wanted to go ahead and and throw that one out there. as more expensive sleeper. Now, do you want to talk some more about sleepers or do you want to go ahead and, and get into the rest of this build and save some of those sleepers for the the end, the tail end of this conversation?
2: Well, a lot of the guys that we were kind of in that sleeper discussion, we've talked about through our first two builds. So I think we can just go into the builds, honestly.
0: All right. Where are we looking at for this? Do we need to run it back with maybe like a Kyron Williams, you know, Cooper? Cupp? I think Kyron makes a lot of sense, honestly. Um, we saw like everyone was talking
2: about him against arizona um and obviously he went out and put up 41 (laughs) fantasy points um and then nobody was talking about him against cleveland who again we talked about earlier is facing the highest rush rate against um so i played the crap out of him last week at 7200 uh against cleveland he now gets a ravens team that is no longer like as elite against the run i mean they're they're still above average um, Michael Pierce being just that immovable object in there is going to do that for you. Um, but any back seeing 22 to 25 running back opportunities on a weekly basis, like just play him, dude, like, I'll just play him and see let variants take over. Can he score two touchdowns in this matchup? I don't know. Maybe, um, but yeah, I'm just going to play him.
0: All right, let's do it. I'm, I'm down to play Kyra. Webbs. I think that he's a fun play. I just think the situation has to be right. You know, and this obviously creates that correct situation. Now it seems like we're we're getting a little bit risky here if we don't play some of these more expensive wide receivers. Is there an expensive wide receiver that that you really like in this like this type of situation? I mean, Justin Jefferson, oof, that's gonna be tough to play the rest of the lineups. Jamar Chase, a little more feasible. Yeah. Still got the targets.
2: Let's do. Let's do Chris Olave, dude.
0: Chris Olave, it's seven K mm-hmm. up against Carolina. Okay, all right.
2: Yeah, and this is another situation where it's like, what have you done recently? And Carolina has been more susceptible to uh, giving up air yards through the air. And you look at um, you look at the situation in New Orleans. We likely to see Derek Carr miss um, concussion again. Uh, he did get a limited practice today on Wednesday, but that is going to have to be upgraded to full at some point to indicate that he's in the final stages of the concussion protocol. Um, so if we get JMO, like Chris Olave <laughs> is a guy that's seeing like 50% of the air yards or something insane with Jamo or Jamison Williams um, under center or Winston, Jesus, Jameis Winston, there. Let's talk about the right. I knew it was here. happening.
0: I, I was gonna yeah. let you work that one out.
2: <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I think um Chris Olave is super interesting um on a week where there's question marks kind of across the board uh amongst the top pass catchers.
0: It, it's it's kind of funny because it comes in last week and has the most Jameis Winston ever throw. I think it was his first completion to Olave where it hits off the defender's yeah. hand, should have been an interception. You know, Olave catches it for a big A and sets him up for a touchdown. Yeah. I, I like the call i think it's very uh interesting and it kind of opens the door for playing adam thielen i don't know yeah let's do it you down you down you want to play that all right yeah let's do it i i didn't think i thought that you were just being you know polite i didn't think you'd actually be down to go for adam no, thielen, no no no
2: i think um the from a again jumping back to like psychological uh aspects of dfs um if you remove the name of players priced between like 6K and 7K, that range of player at wide receiver is just going to be lower owned on a weekly basis than like, it, because you talk about paying 7K for a Chris Olave, It's like, why wouldn't I just pay the extra thousand um, and get exposure to like Mike Evans, Amonara St. Brown, you know, like the elite tier. It's it's harder to click on the names that are in that price range so having two of them on a roster um is highly highly uh a leveraged stance for us so i like it i like it a lot all
0: right so we have lamar jackson kyrie williams chris Olave, adam Thielen, isaiah likely with their tight end and then i just put in for a placeholder for the time being the Bengals defense man this is this is looking pretty good it's looking interesting at least like i will say this has not been my favorite lineup that I've ever seen put together on this show, but it, it has me so intrigued as to the directions that it can go because Lamar yeah. Jackson could have that big game on the ground. You have Kyron Williams, who is going to be heavily involved. You could see that efficiency rise. You have Chris Lave and an Adam Thielen run back. Like That's just that's just fun, right, just to see what could happen in terms of touchdowns and opportunity. Where do we go from here? We have, let's see, uh, 5K left per player. Yeah, so it's a question on do we want
2: to be, like, balanced with that 5K? Do we want to spend money on, like, a running back or another wide receiver in the same range? Where do you want to take this one?
0: Honestly, like, we just named, like, 10 guys earlier that we think that, you know, could at least pay off their value if not give you a massive upside game over there in the the 3 to 4K range. I think Parker Mm -hmm. Washington was one of them. MVS was one of them. Um, who did you mention that was those that was right there, you know on the edge that was one of them. And then Jamison Williams, who you mentioned as well, yeah Marvin mims. Marvin Mims, I mean, all these guys have potential to give us these these big time, you know type plays. Is there one like maybe running a uh Jamison Williams with a DJ Moore, you know type corollary, right? Where it's still there. We don't need to be this high scoring game, but if each one of those guys gets us a touchdown, you know a couple big plays, we're in the money meanwhile you have you know the 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 possibility of maybe running Marvin or yeah Marvin Mims with you know one of the studs over there from the Chargers like a Keenan Allen type play or we might have a I don't know MBS with Stefan Diggs do you want to try and go that route or do you even care about going that route
2: Dude, throw in. This is very interesting. Throw in, um, throw in DJ Moore with Jamo, and then pop in Alexander Madison, and we're left at twenty seven hundred with defense.
0: And then Alexander Madison is where you want to go.
2: Yeah. And then, probably the Chiefs' defense is probably the best fit. I kind of like
0: that Chiefs' defense this week, it's interesting. Yeah, same. All right, so we have Lamar Jackson, we've got Kyron Williams, we've got Alexander Madison, Chris Alave, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, Isaiah Likely, Jameson Williams, and the Chiefs' defense. It was really funny because as I'm sitting there. And I'm mentioning this stuff. I just see your brain start working. Your eyes are working across the base. <laughs> you yeah. You're like, that actually sounds kind of dope. Let's do this. Yeah. So yeah. I like it, man. I'm down for this. We have two. Pretty much what we're projecting is we're talking about very concentrated scoring for three games. And we're going to get significant scores from all three of those games with you know a player on each side. We add Alexander Madison because of the volume and because we think that Minnesota could go up, maybe get some goal line touches right, maybe two touchdowns is what we're thinking from Alexander Madison. And then we, we take the Chiefs defense because they've been they've been red hot and we don't think that this game could be high scoring. We're pretty much betting against this game. Yeah. And the
2: leverage of playing the Chiefs defense this week is kind of off the charts because you wreck like six guys in the process <laughs> so like based on what we've seen from the chiefs is like if they are able to score a defensive score and, um, you know, pick off Josh Allen two or three times, which he's shown the propensity to do. Um, it could like wreck a
0: lot of players uh, that people are going to be on this week from that game. Love it, man. All right, Mark, I got to press submit, man. We got three $12 entries in to DraftKings over here. I mean, which one was your, your favorite lineup? I think this last one, to be honest, yeah, for for even small contests, for big contests, just in general. Yeah, just in general. I like it, man. I like it. All right, let's go ahead and let's get out of here, Mark. Do you have anything else to add? You want to let anybody know, you know, where to find you, what you're doing? Ah, uh, yeah, man. Um, obviously, first mover comes out
2: Tuesday, uh, early evening. So check me out over there. Um, check out one week season, which is where I do most of my primary stuff. Check out thirty thirty. I'm kind of a, I'm a little bit of a fantasy horror man. I'm kind of everywhere. Um, check out my work slut. on NBC. <laughs> yeah,
0: dude, let's go. Uh, but I appreciate you having me on, dude. This was fun. No, of course, man. I love having you on, man. You always kind of, uh, I guess, you throw a wrench into, you know, just the whole concept of the DFS. So that's why we like listen to you, man. Obviously, it's it's fun to listen to in the beginning of the week. Y'all got to go check them out over there on the First Mover Podcast. And then make sure you guys check out the game plan. If you're listening to the podcast, it should be up here in a couple hours. If you're watching us on YouTube, it should be up tomorrow morning around noon Eastern time. So go check out the game plan, y'all. Thank you guys for tuning in. We are out yeah.